You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara in St. Catharines, Ontario. For more information, please feel free to contact us by visiting our website, harvestniagara.ca. Well, it's good to be here with you. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. This will probably be a familiar text for some of you. Um, As you're flipping there, you can see there's kind of a title to Philippians 2. In my Bible, it says Christ's example of humility. And uh, I think it's ironic that anyone ever preaches on humility, just that anyone would teach that in any way. This is definitely one of those who can do, those who can't teach, okay? So just as from the outset, set here, just like, I don't have this figured out. I hope you understand that. Um, Get to know me a little bit, and you will recognize that in my life, too. So I need to hear this as well. Uh, Philippians 2. I'm going to read the first few verses. We're only going to look really at three verses today, but I want to just give us a little bit of context here. So let's read Philippians 2, verse 1. It says this, If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy... Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So Paul here, he's addressing the Philippian people, and he's specifically addressing those who are believers in Jesus Christ. These people who are are committed to Christ, the same mind, the same spirit. They're they're on the same page, we might say, um, when it comes to their salvation. They understand that they are saved by grace uh, through faith alone in Jesus Christ. And so this is specifically who this is to, and if this isn't you this morning, um, well, listen, because God has something for you there, but if this is you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and here's specifically then what he has to say to us, verse 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also uh, to the interests of of others. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, every time I read that, I'm so like convicted and it's just heavy. And my heart is like, don't, don't preach on that. Like, then you have to live that out. And it's really difficult uh, because if I'm honest and you're honest, we all uh, struggle with pride. Uh, we struggle with not being as humble as we ought to in different areas in our lives. And maybe you're here right now and you're thinking, nope, not me. I am humble. I don't have pride. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you, but you are lying to yourself. Uh, C.S. Lewis said, if anyone would like to acquire humility, the first step is to realize that one is pride, or proud. At least nothing, whatever can be done before that. The Bible is pretty clear on the teaching about pride. Let me read you a couple of passages. Uh, James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God's not down with the pride. Uh, Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Uh, Proverbs 15, 33, the fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom and humility comes before honor. Uh, the Lord blesses humility. He opposes uh, pride. First uh, Peter 5, 6 says this specifically, the application for us, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God so at the proper time he may exalt you. Um, 2,000 years ago when Jesus stepped on the world scene in flesh, came down to earth, this is what we just celebrated at Christmas, uh, pr- any time prior to that, uh, humility, the virtue of humility that we would value often in the church, in other people, was not valued at all in any way. If you were humble, you were, you were seen to be weak. 
And it wasn't since Christ came that humility has become to be this valuable um, attribute and asset and, and wonderful thing that God has given to us. Uh, but even now, we don't require this of people, these people that we hold in high esteem and in honor. Uh, you think about celebrities and different athletes that you, you hear about or you watch them on TV, and, and occasionally they sound a little humble. And you're kind of like, oh, I, I kind of like that in that person, you know. But, but for the most part, we just let them get away with blatant, extreme arrogance. And it's kind of like, well, you know, they are really good at, no, that's, that's, that's pride, all right? Now, all of us are prone to this. Now, we all struggle with this. And if I'm honest, like, have you met me? Like, I'm awesome, now, I would ne- apart from in a message like this, I would never really go around articulating that to people, right? Hey, hey, Brett, my name's Carl. I'd like you to meet me. I'm awesome. Like, we don't do that, but that is so often our attitude and our heart uh, behind the interactions that we have with people. Um, D.L. Moody said this. I think this quote's going to be on the screen. I love this. God sends no one away empty except those who are full of themselves. Isn't that heavy? I put it on there so you could write it down and remember that for later, okay? God sends no one away empty except those who are full of themselves. God is desiring that we would be growing in humility, emptying ourselves of our pride, of our self-righteousness, of our self-exaltation, of our all things self, and growing in humility. So the title of our message this time this morning is Humility. This is you in Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're saved by grace through faith, then humility needs to be the thing that's growing and increasing ever more every day for the rest of your life as a follower of Jesus Christ. Growing in humility. So um, let's look at the first verse. We're going to look at verses 3, 4, and 5. Just those three right now. So look at verse 3 with me. It says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. All of these uh, specific, heavy, kind of big words that we need to unpack all have to do with the mind. They all have to do with um, the internal processing of the, the way that we interact with the world. So I wrote this down as point one. Humility begins with how I think. Humility begins with how I think. That phrase there, selfish ambition, uh, your Bible might say rivalry. Uh, John MacArthur calls this a persistent seeking of personal advantage and gain, regardless of its effects on others. That's what selfish ambition is. Uh, This was such a problem for the the Philippian church um, that in chapter 1, verse 17, you don't have to flip there, but you can go and read it later, um, Paul actually has to address people who are using the sharing of the gospel for their own gain. They're trying to be like the super Christians or the really famous people in the church of Philippi by being like, I'm the best evangelist because I can tell the most people about. And so they're, they're wrongfully using sharing of the gospel. So this was definitely a problem for these people. They had selfish ambition in their sharing the gospel. Now look at the words that Paul says before that, because he says, do nothing, do nothing. He's, he's just like laying it down, nothing. You can't do anything from this kind of heart context or motivation. Do nothing from this selfish ambition or uh, conceit. See that word conceit there? Most of us know what conceit is. We meet conceited people, and you're like, yeah, I don't really like that person. Why? Because they're conceited. Uh, conceited people, what they're trying to do is to show you how awesome they are, but most of the time it's just polished outside and not great inside. And so... Um, we need to not be like that, not going from a heart motivation of a conceit, not being motivated for our own glory, but for the glory of God. Um, that's what humility is ultimately going to look like as it grows in our life. Now, the problem is that I can't care about other people when all I care about is me. 
That's the issue here. When it comes to pride growing and increasing in our lives, um, we can't care about others when all we care about is ourselves. The role that others play in our lives, in our growing in humility, and in our interacting and growing with Christ is massive. Now, it's important that right from the beginning, though, you understand humility is not self-deprecation. It is not self-degrading. It is not thinking less of yourselves in terms of a value of worth. But it is thinking less of yourself in an amount of time. Does that make sense? You pick that up? Okay. God loves you. He doesn't think little of you. He loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to come to earth and die on a cross for your sin, for my sin, so that if we believe in him, we can be forgiven of the sin. That's how much he loves you. So he wants you to hate your sin. He doesn't want you to hate yourself because he loves you. And often what happens is people think that this humility needs to be this like thinking bad about something. No, that's not it at all. God loves you. He loves you very much. Now, he doesn't want you to walk around just loving yourself all the time. That's, that's, that's not the humility we're talking about here. But understanding sin, bad, okay? God doesn't love it either, but he loves me in spite of that. All right, so that's what, it is important that we understand that from the beginning, that that's what humility is going to look like in our lives. Um, let's go on. Or selfish ambition, see that there? Um, Let's read the verse again. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. That whole idea of counting others more significant than yourself, that's one that's always just like struck me as that's so hard to do. That's so hard to do. But look at the, ver- look at the word there, count. That word count is really important. It's, it's a, a word um, could also be translated as consider or judged or regarded. Um, it has this idea of how you value people. It's not necessarily about what people are, but how you value them. Counting them, valuing them as more significant than yourself. There may be people in your life who are, are very frustrating, who are very difficult for you to deal with, who you don't want to have any part of, and you're like, how am I supposed to consider them more significant than myself? Am, are they, am I supposed to like, pretend they're more significant than me? You're supposed to value them, though, as if they are. And, and love them as if you would love someone else who was more significant than you. Now, this is hard for us because we think so significant, or think so highly significant of ourselves. It's hard for us to um, then do this for other people because, again, we think we're so significant. Um, a few months ago, I was stopped at a, a light. I came up to an intersection, and um, there's a, a left turn lane. And so I, I came up, and as I rolled up, it turned red, and so I ended up stopped. And uh, I, was, I was a little bit frustrated because I was, I was late for work. I'll just tell you. So I'm late for work. I want to get there. But I know a couple times before I've had an advanced screen here. That'll be helpful. Really excited about the potential of that. Hopefully the traffic authority know how awesome and amazing and important I am, and they will grant that to me. Um, but across from me, there's also a turning lane, and then there's two lanes that will come through, all right? Everyone with me in the car right now? So as I'm sitting there, um, the, I don't get an advanced screen. Immediately, I'm frustrated that how do they not know how important I am and what I need to be doing right now, but I haven't got my advanced screen. So I just gently, you know, let my foot off the brake and, and pull into the intersection a little bit like I think you're supposed to do if you work for the parking authority and you're not supposed to do that, I'm sorry, but that's what I do. I pull into the intersection a little bit and I'm kind of waiting and um, the other turning lane, they get to go 
because there was no one coming through here. And then there's these two lanes of traffic, and the one on the far left just all flowed through just properly how you, you, know, you hope and dream that they will. And then the inside one, though, there's this minivan sitting there, and it's just sitting there. And I'm in the middle of the intersection, and there's nobody else moving. And I'm like, like that person has the right of the way, but they're not going, and I need to go. And I'm getting frustrated. And it got to the point where I was like, come on. Like I actually audibly said that. And, and I don't believe that the person actually heard me. Um, but at that moment, they apparently decided to look up from whatever was more valuable and precious than me and notice that the light was green and take their foot off the brake and roll through the intersection. And as they go by, I notice that I know the person. <laughs> and immediately my heart is struck with my own sense of self-significance and how great and important and amazing and awesome that I thought that I was and how I deserved all of this. And as they go by, I'm just like, ugh. You want to know who it was? It was my senior pastor's wife. So I immediately drive to the church and tell my senior pastor this whole story and I confess to him this sin. I'm like, man, I was so prideful and just like thinking just about me and I was I had this like angry thought at your wife she doesn't even know I'm sorry like he calls her he's like we got to tell her that she'll laugh so much so it was great it was great and I found out she was caring for her kids in the back but see here's the problem I don't know the whole story and I think so highly of myself that I had no patience for anybody else how often do we do that right We exalt ourselves. We care so much about ourselves. Here's the problem. Um, We need to think and treat and consider others as more significant than ourselves. Because when we don't do that, when we don't count others more significant than ourselves, what we're doing is saying, I'm the most significant person in the whole world. And I don't think any of us would actually say that. But that's what we're doing when we treat other people in that way, when we act in that way with this pride growing and increasing up inside of us. And so what has to happen is a renewal of the mind. Our mind has to change. So I wrote down two things that have to happen um, in our mind. Humility starts with um, how I think. Here's the first thing that needs to change. It's this uh, amount of me thoughts that I have. The amount of me thoughts that I have. These are the thoughts about yourself during the day. I don't know if you've ever kind of tried to take track of how much you think about yourself in a, in a given day, but I, I, I challenge you to do it. You will be startled, shocked, and horrified, likely, at how much time you spend thinking about what you're going to do after work, or where you're going to sit and relax when you get home, um, what you want to have for dinner, um, Hopefully those kids have figured out how significant I am by the time I get home so I can sit on the couch, um, how much money I'll have someday to do this, uh, when those kids are gone, I'll finally do this, and, and all of those things, all of these thoughts that we have, they're, they're me thoughts. They're self-centered, self-focused thoughts, and that's a problem. Paul says in this verse, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Look at verses six through eight, because I know this is heavy, but look at Jesus' example. Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is is heavy stuff we're talking about here. This is like complete self-putting aside to care about others. And that's what Jesus did for us. That was what his love poured out for us was. 
And Paul knows this is going to be discouraging, so in Philippians 3.14, he gives us encouragement where he says, press on towards the goal, the upward prize of the call in Christ Jesus. He knows it's going to be difficult to put self aside all the time, but he's like, in the end, dude, it's totally worth it. God loves you so much, and he wants you to honor him. He wants you to care for him. Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Self aside. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about you. Honor the Lord. Less me thoughts, more him. Get it in your mind, exalting him by caring for others, and he will take care of you. So less me thoughts. Here's the other one. Um, More significance of others. Uh, More significance of others. I'll just be honest. There's been times in my life where I never gave people a second or third chance because I probably didn't even give them a first chance. I don't know if you've ever been in that kind of position where you just realize, wow, I, I gave no grace to that person. There was no love. There was no gentleness. And it's because we aren't willing to uh, count them more significant. We aren't considering them worthy enough. Here's the thing, though. Like, who, who's, who's worthy enough for my love? I'm not even worthy enough for any love, really. If I understand what the Bible says to be true about my heart and my soul apart from Jesus Christ and my sin and how I'm separated from God, like I am no better than anybody else. God loved that person just like he loved me when he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. It's not that he loved me more than them or them more than me. He loves us all. And so who are we to exalt ourselves and think of ourselves as more significant than other people? But this has to start changing in our mind, the way that we think and the way that we interact with the people around us, if it's going to come out in our lives, if it's going to change who we are and what we do. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Now look at this. This is verse 4, then, is what happens when that goes on in your life. It's the outward uh, kind of result. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is point number two. Humility is proven uh, by how I live. Humility is proven by how I live. It'll be evident if you are growing in humility by the way that you live, by the way that you talk, by the way that you interact with people, all of these things. It's, it's going to be obvious to people around you. Uh, may humility be increasing in this church and in the lives of all the people in this room and in my life too. Amen. May God be growing us in this way that we would be um, looking not to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, that word look there, um, it's not like glance. It's not hope to see. I like that it's the word look because there's this intentionality built into that word. It's not like be accidental about caring about other people. He's calling us to straight up go for this look to this. This is what Jesus did. It wasn't like an accidental thing that Jesus came to earth and died on the cross and rose from the dead so we could have forgiveness of sin. He loved us so much, he intentionally went on this journey to earth to do this for us. And in the same way, we're supposed to intentionally look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. See that word interest there? I like this word. It's kind of interesting. The more that I studied it, um, it's, it's a very vague word. In the original translation and how they're trying to get it to English for us to understand it, they kind of have to put this word interest there because they're not sure exactly what it means because it's such a vague word. And so one way to think about it um, is like this. We got this little slide we can put up on the screen. Is, is almost like this. Look not only to your own thing, interest, blank, but also to that of others. Because that word interest, it doesn't say need. Notice that? 
If need would be very specific. Oh, well, I only need to, to care for that person's needs, and I can define their needs as they need shelter, they need, they need food, they need warmth, they need, like, it's, this is way more broad and way more vague than that. So as you look at this, and you look at the screen right now, what, what are you putting on the blank? What is it that you care about? Look not only to your own, but also to that of others. Your own health, finances, happiness, family, work situation, personal issue, educational success, sleep. But also look to the health, finances, happiness, family, work situation, personal issues, educational success, sleep of others. That's essentially what this passage is calling us to do. It's not just make sure that people have food. What are you interested? What do you care about? Now, for sure you care about whether you have food, whether you have shelter. That's like basic. Paul's like, this is way beyond it. What are the things that that person cares about? You need to care about that too. Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. I love that Paul, he, Paul knows, you know, you're going to take care of yourself. You're not, you're not going to do verse three so well that you forget to care about yourself. He knows that we can't apply that so well that we would do that. He knows you're going to look to your own interests, so do that, but not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Jesus said something like this in Matthew 22, verse 37 and 39. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Because he knows you're going to love yourself. You need to love other people in the same way. It's not about what your church, what your family, what your friends, what your kids, what your job. It's not about what your country can do for you, but what you can do for them. That's what Paul is calling for us here. Count others, value them more significant, and look not only to your own, but also to the of others. Now, it can't actually be like that in the text, because we'd all be so confused when we read it, right? Look not only to your own but also to the of others. It just grammatically, it would be so weird. But think about how different church would be if we did this. N- nobody would park close to the door. <laughs> that just for starters, you'd park really far away because you'd be like, I'm looking to the interests of everybody else. I want them to have the best. There would be a lineup to get the worst parking spot in the parking lot out there. All right, The Harvest Kids would have no problem finding people to serve. There would be so many people greeting when you came in the door. Like that's, This is just in church. How different things would be if we look not only to our own, but also to the of others. But this is what we're called to do here. This is what Paul is calling for us. So, so let's take it outside church then. At your job, in your family, at your house. Looking not only to your own interests, looking not only to my own interests, but also to the interests of others. Here's why this is so hard for us to do. It's because of this dirty little word we don't like, entitlement. We all have it. Humility takes nothing. Entitlement wants everything. John Piper defines humility as the opposite of a sense of entitlement. Um, If you and I are going to grow in humility, we need to be getting entitlement, thinking so highly of ourselves, exalting ourselves, that we deserve all of these different things, less thinking about how awesome I am, and more thinking about how I can care for and love others. Now, maybe you're sitting there right now, and you're like, really, Carl? Like, Stop thinking about myself all the time. That's pretty much what I do. And if I'm honest with you, that's pretty much what I do. In all honesty, if you go through this day, how much time will you spend thinking about yourself and your interest and your comfort? And this is what Paul's calling us to do. Look not only to our own interests, 
but also to the interests of others. Um, my dad was an amazing example for me on this when I was growing up. I know that for sure uh, the Lord was teaching and growing and increasing in him humility. Um, and, and he tried to do this often. Um, I don't actually remember um, any times when he wasn't doing this. And does that mean that my dad was perfect? No, by no means, okay? But I was like a really sporty kid. And so when my dad came home from work, I wanted to like uh, shoot baskets I wanted to like throw a ball or like stand in net and let him fire balls at me and play hockey. Like I always wanted to do, I can't remember one single time. Now, him and I have talked about this and for sure there were times, but I can't remember any times when he said no. Now, I know he just came home from a long day at work and I, and I have three kids. They're really cute. You saw them in the picture earlier, but, and, and I know what it's like to come home after a long day at work and you're like, yeah, no, 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 all I want to do is sit down on the couch. Yeah, no, 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 I do not want to, like, for my kids, it's like, we want to have a wrestle-tickle fight for an hour before dinner. Oh, yeah, that's what I want to do right now, okay? <laughs> God's Word is calling us, though. Look not only to your own interests. Did my dad always want to do that? No. No, I don't think so. But he was putting himself aside and caring for us. Now, I had a sister and my mom, too, and, and, and he was doing this for all of us. Was he perfect at it? No. One, him and I were talking about this, and I said to him, I was like, so we heated, we, I grew up in Muskoka, and we heated our house by a wood stove, which isn't that strange of a thing. Sometimes people think, whoa, like, what are you, how old are you? Isn't, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, it's just lots of people in Muskoka do that. But um, we had to chop wood all the time. It worked out to, we did the math one year, it works out to about half an hour of chopping or piling wood every day for the whole year. We didn't always do it every day. Sometimes, you know, you do like three hours here so you can not do it for a few days. Did my dad always want to do that? But in the interest, the warmth in the winter... The care for others. He, he willingly went outside and did that. And I didn't completely understand the value of being dragged out there to do that with him till I was much older. But now I'm beginning to understand this. And that's what looking to the interests of others looks like. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be fun. But sometimes we need to actually just go and just do it and honor the Lord in that way put ourselves aside. There's a point where looking to the interests of others where you just have to just do it. You just have to get down on the floor with your kids. You just have to go for that walk with your spouse when all you want to do is sit alone and read in the house. When you have to get up and do those tasks that are obvious around you and look to the interests of others and care for them. That's what God's word is calling for us here. And I'm not great at this. Is my attitude always great when I'm playing with my kids on the floor? They want to go for bike rides all the time. And they have this loop they want to do. It's like five kilometers, guys. And I know I'm going to have to drag you back. Like, come on. Like, my attitude's not always there. But I want to be growing in this, right? This starts, though, when you're thinking humbly, growing in, the, in humility in your mind, and then it begins to come out in your life. It's proven in your life. So what do we have to do to make this happen? I wrote down two things. You can write these two things down, too. The first one is you've got to pray for humility. You've got to pray for humility. Straight up, the reason why we don't pray for humility is because we don't think we need it. If we understood how filled with pride we were, how much humility we lacked and needed, we would be on our faces before the Lord. If we understood the mass amounts of humility in our lives, we would be calling out for God to remove them from our lives. 
And so we need to pray. If you want to grow in humility, if any of this is resonating with you right now at all, you got to, you got to pray for humility. you got to ask God to do this. Like, just like you could not save yourself from your sin, you cannot make yourself humble. You need an act of God, a miracle, which is what we have in salvation through Jesus Christ. We need come down from heaven, work in my life kind of thing going on from God. We need to pray for humility. And then here's the second thing I wrote down, and this is super profound. You need to just do it. Because there's a part of us who we're kind of like, yeah, well, you know, uh, when it starts to be easy, when it just happens, you know, it's not, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. And we need to do this. We need to go after this and seek to honor the Lord. And, and, and at first, maybe it might feel like, you know, well, my heart's not really in caring for this person right now, but I'm going to I'm going to just do it anyway, because I know this is going to honor the Lord. And if you continue for a long time where your heart still isn't growing in care for this person, then there's other issues there. But, but many of us aren't even willing to go down that path, because we're like, God, change my heart first, and then I'll start doing this. Both need to happen. And so we need to pray that God would work in our hearts, and then we need to take the initiative in our lives to care for people with our actions and just do it, just care for them, just love them. Uh, Paul, he says he's completely willing to do this. In chapter 2, verse 17, you can probably see it there on your, on your uh, Bible. He says, even if I'm poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. This is amazing. Because Paul, he's just like, you know what? Seriously, when it comes to caring for you, I'm ready. Pour me. I don't know exactly what pouring me out is. That doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun to me. Like to, the idea of like, oh, kids, I'm going to come home and be poured out for you at the end of the day. Honey, I'm going to be poured out for you. That seems really difficult and not a lot of fun. But Paul's like, yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I rejoice, filled with joy. Woohoo! Serving you. May that be increasing in us as God is doing this work in us uh, and changing our lives. May humility be proven in how we live. Um, this is not our natural tendency because we are... Uh, filled with sin on our own apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus is the single greatest difference maker in the history of the world, and he's going to be the single greatest difference maker in your life. And we know that this is possible, only possible, through Jesus Christ. Look at verse 5 with me. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Here's point number three. Humility is impossible without Jesus. Humility is impossible without Jesus. Look at these verses. Look at them all again in order. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves, and look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others, having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And I already read those next verses. God coming to earth. This is the come down from heaven miracle that he does. He owed nothing. He paid everything. Apart from Jesus, we deserve separation from God. We deserve hell, not praise, but God, but Jesus comes to earth. He takes our punishment. He dies in our place that if we believe in him, we can be forgiven of our sin. He raised, he's raised from the dead. We need to understand this. We need to hear the gospel more and more and more because the more we understand what God has done in the gospel, his love for us, we say goodbye to entitlement and hello to humility. It's just going to increase in our lives. As we understand the love that God has poured out for us, it's going to fuel you to honor him. There will be less self-promotion, less selfies, less trying to humbly brag about how great you are at your job or at golf or as a parent. There's no room for caring more about how your lawn looks um, nicer than your neighbor's. 
just to be the best, have the best looking lawn on your road. People who think about themselves uh, aren't usually thinking about the cross. No one is thinking about how they look, though, when they look at Jesus on the cross. It's just not happening. But so often we're so consumed with ourselves, whether it's physical looking at ourselves or just mentally looking at ourselves and caring about ourselves. That's not happening when we're looking at Jesus on the cross and his love, his love poured out for us that we did not deserve. Grace and mercy poured out. Humility is impossible, though, apart from Jesus. Thank you, God, for your son, Jesus. Pride is so ugly. Amen? We need Jesus. Paul Tripp said this. I'm going to read it for you. We all know it. We've all seen it. We've all been uncomfortable with it, and we've all done it. The bottom line is this. Proud people tend to talk about themselves a lot. Proud people tend to like their opinions more than the opinions of others. Proud people think their stories are more interesting and engaging than others. Proud people think they know and understand more than others. Proud people think they've earned the right to be heard. Proud people think they have glory to offer. Proud people, because they are basically proud of what they know and what they've done, talk a lot about both. Proud people don't reference weakness. Proud people don't talk about failure. Proud people don't confess sin. So proud people are better at putting the spotlight and on themselves than they are at shining the light of their stories and opinions on God's glorious and utterly undeserved grace. We can't stop this apart from Jesus. This grace that God has given to us. This is why we need to see Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that we all with unveiled face behold the glory of God and are transformed. When we see God, when we look at Jesus, when we understand what he has done for us, it changes us. It changes us. And this is why we need Jesus. This is why we need to look to him. This is why we need to get our eyes on him, to gaze on him, that he would change us. So my question for you then, um, look at verses 9 through 11. It says this, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's the question. When that day happens, will God find you seeking to be humble, seeking humility, or will you be humbled? Because there's going to be a big difference on that day. Growing in humility already desiring to be on your face and on your knees before him or put onto your knees and on your face and humbled before God. It's going to happen. He is the one who deserves all glory and all praise and he wants us to honor him in our lives by walking in humility and bringing him glory. And I can imagine in this room right now that there's lots of you, because I know some of you, that um, you desire for God to be glorified in increasing humility in your life. Awesome. Praise the Lord. But that doesn't happen when we continue to think about me, myself, and I. And we need to recognize our pride and our selfishness and our sin and ultimately our self-significance that we have before God and, and humbly confess it to Him. If we're going to increase in humility, it's not going to happen uh, without coming to Jesus and getting help. And so in just a second, we're going to sing a song um, that's about exalting God. The, the purpose of this song is that we would lift up Him that our hearts would be focused on his glory and his awesome and amazingness. And we would have a better perspective and understanding of ourself. Well, why don't you just go ahead and bow your heads right now for a second. And as you bow, and I know that I, as in prepping for this time here with you, I'm needing to come before the Lord and confess my own pride and my own 
a lack of humility, maybe right now uh, you need to go before the Lord and confess this to Him. Confess uh, areas of self-significance, of pride, areas where you have lacked humility. Come to Him and ask Him for forgiveness. Before God Almighty, and admit pride. And ask Him to renew your mind, to grow you in humility. Thankful that He loves you. God, I confess, we confess right now how often you and your glory and the care of others is not at the front of our minds and it's not our motivation for how we live. And God, I pray that you would help us to see your greatness and significance and holiness more. You would increase this in our lives. Increase humility in us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who you sent to this earth, who is an example of this, Lord, but also our source of life and our source of hope and our source of forgiveness, God. Thank you that this is possible through your son, Jesus Christ. And so, God, would you increase in us humility? Would we understand that we are valued and we are loved by you, God? Would we um, not be confused about what humility is and thinking less in a degrading way of ourselves, but would we understand how valued we are by you, Lord. And as a response to that, God, give you glory and praise with our lives. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. For more information, please visit our website, harvestniagara.ca.